came off. I could just see it in his face. And I asked him, I said, I said, you want to go for it? And he's like, yeah, I want to go for it. Let's get it. You know, and uh, I was told that Marshall said, if he wants to go for it, I want to go for it. <laughs> I felt the same way. I mean, if he wants to go for it, I want to go for it too. And uh, so went down and called timeout, and uh, it was just a great play. They said it couldn't be done. Man, we got that first win in, I feel, years against that high-quality opponent that the Ravens have been searching for. What a great day. Yeah, I mean, I quite honestly, I think this is the biggest win the Ravens have had since that wildcard victory in Pittsburgh back in 2014. It's just been a tough sledding in close games against elite teams for for these guys there have been those games are always close but it just seems like there's a play at the end where the other team gets a break that doesn't go the Ravens way I mean I know the Ravens beat the Chargers in quote-unquote the Chargers home stadium last year but man the, the Seahawks coming into this game everyone was talking them up Russell Wilson is this year's Patrick Mahomes he's the MVP of the league Going into one of the toughest, if not the toughest, stadiums to play in the NFL. It's pouring down rain. Props to Alec for having the faith. He called the win. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Chris and I, you know, we we weren't we didn't believe that the Ravens couldn't win. We just thought that close game it was just gonna be like we've seen so so often from this team, but this felt like a throwback game to me. I was I was saying before we started this podcast and man, this victory feels good. Yeah. And for anybody who's living under a rock, we're talking about the Ravens' win over the Seahawks. Final score, 30-16. to 16. And uh, yeah, I totally agree with you guys. This was, um, this was quite a surprise. Honestly, it still hasn't even sunk into me. I think it will tomorrow because watching the game, I think one of the things that I was just so upset about is that I didn't get my bold prediction, but we saw two, not one, but two defensive touchdowns, and neither of them... Earl Thomas got his hands on We're two other guys. I'm so still, I'm still tilting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, man. It felt really great to see that first pick six. Marcus Peters, welcome to Baltimore, my friend. I can't wait for, I hope that the Ravens against New England introduce the defense so he can get his first introduction. I think the place is going to go nuts when he gets out there because he might be just what the doctor ordered for this defense, which looked easily the best that it's looked all season today. Absolutely. And uh, back on Marcus Peters again, the Fox broadcast put up a stat that they could say that, that it was the first time since at least 1950 that a player had an interception in consecutive weeks, both on a separate team. So... Last week, we had the first player in the regular season to rush for over 150 and throw for 250, and now you have the first player with back-to-back interceptions so, for different teams in consecutive weeks. So back-to-back record-breaking weeks and obscure stats for the Ravens. <laughs> I know. I, the, the one thing I love about that stat, too, is that it shows you that even the people who came up with the stats, it's like they didn't do all their research, but they had to get something out because they're like, oh, well, it goes back to at least 1950, but we didn't have time to, to go all the exactly. way back. Man. I wonder, I wonder what uh, if they just... They, they had to have some sort of query they put down. You're not actually pouring through all those game stats. That's got to be a very, very specific query for that. But I agree with you guys. They should definitely announce the defense on that Sunday night football game coming up. If for no other reason than all the new names, 
I mean, LJ Fort had a huge game today, right? He wasn't even on the team maybe the last time that they uh, introduced the defense first. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it it's kind of a new look defense, which seldom happens in the NFL halfway through the season. Right. Yeah, and I mean, props to DaCosta and the rest of the front office there because when we've been talking about the problems that these defenses have been having, it hasn't been the whole team. Like, there's been bright spots, obviously. We, we keep talking about Marlon Humphrey has been playing at a, an all-pro level this entire year. Earl Thomas, it took him a little bit to get going, but he's really been con- patrolling the backfield really well. And Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce still do their thing up front. Matt Judon's been having a solid year, but there were definitely holes on this team that had to be filled. The injuries to Tavon Young and Jimmy Smith, and just unfortunately, Owasu and Kenny Young weren't the right backs to fit the scheme that was being run. So the Ravens plugged them up seemingly expertly with Josh Bynes and LJ Fort, you know, two castoffs who obviously Josh Bynes was a big part of the Super Bowl team, but definitely much more from a special teams perspective than being a starting linebacker. They patched that up. We're savvy enough to realize the Rams are trying to dump Peters for Ramsey. I mean, those are some big moves. Yeah, definitely. In in the As we were typing up the notes, probably midway through the first quarter, I just kind of was writing some stuff down like, okay, talking points, offense, defense. And then uh, I put a note down about Marcus Peters trade because we got to talk about Marcus Peters. And this is before the pick six. <laughs> and the question I put down was, did he actually make a difference this game? And then right after the pick six, Alex went and was like, yes, yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd say so. So, yeah, man, that, you know, was exactly what we wanted to see. I mean, we were talking about it, right? Peters is a, is a guy who's going to gamble. He's going to make those. He's going to roll the dice see if he can make a play and week one it, it just man nothing feels better than to see that happen and you know see it the way that it went down you know with the pick six of russell wilson and remember russell wilson hasn't thrown any interceptions before today exactly and that's it just makes it all the more special i think it, it's just awesome awesome i totally agree with you guys i hope that the stadium announces the defense come the new england game because uh, I think Marcus Peters is going to get a great welcoming to Baltimore then. I really wish I could be at that game. I thought, you know, maybe the prices will go down for some reason. Not after today, man. They ain't going down. <laughs> that that game is like 3x the cost of basically any other game. And I'm like, I'd rather just go to a few other games. So, ah, I would love to go. If anyone has tickets and they can't make it, <laughs> email us at feedback at ravensrecap.com. <laughs> We'd love to go. We'll buy it for face. <laughs> to get back on the defense for a second, one guy we didn't talk about, obviously we're talking about the new additions, but one guy who has been on the team and is step in, continues to step up for Tony Jefferson since he's been out, Chuck Clark, yet again this week, did a really solid job at taking over the starting role and still wearing the green dot, getting guys lined up. It always sucks when... A guy's lost for the season, and I don't want to add insult to injury for Tony Jefferson, but Chuck Clark in these two games, I think, has outperformed what we were seeing from Jefferson. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He's been really solid. I think the other thing you're seeing, too, is that players are emerging around that. I mean, we were just talking about how uh, Owasso and Kenny Young were the answers to inside linebacker. It looks like Bynes and Fort have, at least for the last couple of games, have 
solidified that in, in a good way. They've definitely helped in the pass defense side of things, and they're also pretty good in the run game as well. But I will say, uh, I think two other players we might want to talk about as well, although they didn't jump off the stat sheet, were Jalen Ferguson and I, I, I even want to throw out some props, I think, to Tyus Bowser. I thought he had a couple of uh, good plays in there. It seemed like those guys were getting pretty good pressure. Um, I know Wink was dialing up a lot of blitzes and had a lot of guys kind of going in, but you know, I I would occasionally watch you know some of the one-on-one matchups that they had, and I thought that they were getting pretty good uh, bull rushes. It's it's definitely good to see. It. You know, hopefully the the pressures and the sacks keep coming. I think overall we're just seeing a lot of uh, a lot of players stepping up here and there, and and just like you guys said earlier about you know Eric being savvy enough to pull off some of these trades and signings in midseason, I think we're just starting now to see some of these pieces come together. Yeah, and because Pernell McPhee went down, which we have no updates on, according to John Harbaugh just a few moments ago, we have to see more of the third-round pick, Jalen Ferguson. And he actually made a few plays this game. I know a couple of Ravens fans have been a little upset with his performance so far, but I thought he did an okay job today. He did, yeah. I mean, and obviously we still got to remember, he's a rookie. Some guys takes longer to adjust to the NFL than other guys. I mean, look at uh, Zadarius Smith is a great example. It took him a couple seasons to become a consistent pass rush, and now the guy got a big contract is continuing to produce with Green Bay. But yeah, agreed. Jalen Ferguson today had three tackles, one for loss in addition to a quarterback hit. Yeah, the tackle for loss, I remember that was... a. Uh, we keep hearing the coaches say no one's setting the edge and that or that was the difficulty that the Ravens had against Cleveland and Ferguson there just did a great job of shedding the tight end uh, who had him on that tackle for loss and once he shed the block and uh, there was just nowhere for Carson to go I think both of them kind of stopped for a moment Carson did a, a move to go I forget if it was left or right but it didn't matter because Ferguson had him squared and he was stopped for a one-yard loss. So that was great to see. Finally, some positive production for Ferguson. For Bowser, I want to give him a call out because, uh, you know, we did the same for Boyle when he had his career day against Kansas City. Tyus Bowser, I just looked at his uh, past game logs. His four tackles today were uh, career high for a game for Bowser. So uh, it's good to see some positive production for him. Yeah, I just want to say another note on Ferguson too. I think there were a number of plays that he was in on where the run would go toward his side. And yeah, he was definitely good at setting the edge of just not letting anybody get outside of him. He may not made the tackle, but he was playing stout and, and making sure that the running back wasn't going to get around him while the rest of the guys behind him would, uh, you know, clean up the tackle. And I think that's even great to see too, because I think I remember listening to film study or or maybe Jeff Strebeck or something. But anyway, someone had a stat that basically said when Jalen Ferguson was on the field that there was like an abnormally high yards per play when throwing or running to his side. <laughs> and honestly, I didn't really notice it, at least back at the time. But now that I'm looking at it a little bit more, I'm like, okay, you know, now that I see when they run to his side, it's like, you know, it was only like a one-yard gain or a two-yard gain or maybe like a yard for, you know, a yard loss or something. So, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of funny, just that kind of stat, how it kind of shows up and everything. You know, it, you can't really blame one player for that, but starting to see strides from this guy. So it's good to see. It was awesome. Shout out to Wink that this defense managed to almost score as many points as the whole Seahawks offense. So big props. Two huge plays, 
it was cool to see it. It was kind of like a throwback game, as Peter was mentioning earlier today. Yeah, I mean, it really was. It just kind of felt to me a lot like the games that the Ravens would have in like the 2008 to 2012 Harbaugh era, you know, where the the offense would be competent enough to get you high teens to low 20s as far as a score total. You're doing a lot of running, using the run to set up the pass, and then the defense will bail the team out with, with some turnovers. It'll get the offense either good field position or scores like we saw today. The Ravens got pressure on a quarterback, which used to be a hallmark of the defense. Not as much this year, but yeah, it just it felt like that. And I know we haven't talked about the offense yet, but it just goes to show you once again what what how good this team is at running the football and how, as we started talking about after the Kansas City game, that's the formula for this team is you've got four capable runners on the offense and that's not saying Lamar can't pass or we don't have playmakers on in the passing game, but when this team is able to get all four of those guys running, it leaves the defense on the sideline longer, so they're rested up and they're able to do what they do best. Well, agreed with you know all you guys about you know how I think this week was definitely a statement game for the defense. Definitely by far the best outing that we've seen this season from them. We, uh, we're looking forward to seeing how they improve after the bye. You know, I'd say the, the one thing that we didn't shore up as, as well as we would have liked, fortunately for us, it wasn't a huge issue. But, man, that Russell Wilson-Tyler Lockett connection is still strong. We just couldn't stop it. Touchdown to Lockett where Humphrey kind of got called for holding a little bit and then didn't seem to know where he was. Lockett just comes down with the ball. And then there was that throw in the, in the second quarter, I believe, where Russell just kind of throws it up. Marlon just loses it, loses tracking the ball, and, and Lockett somehow just comes down with it. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's just one of those things, like, we tried, you know, we, we, we put Marlon on him thinking that, you know, we'd take him out of the game like we did with Juju or or, or Tyler Boyd, but we just couldn't stop it. <laughs> Yeah, I will agree with that, Chris. Uh, Humphrey did start the game off a bit, a little, um, a little rough, and the first quarter, or so actually a lot of the first half too, because the Seahawks uh, did have that drive at the end of the first half to score a field goal and tie it before halftime. It looked like the game was going to be a back and forth contest, uh, like we were originally predicting. But it is good to say that. That is the biggest nitpick we have from the defense is just that uh, Marlon Humphrey was good, but he wasn't quite perfect. <laughs> I mean, right. the defense was... There's really not that much we can take away from this game and say that they didn't do. I mean, yeah, they didn't get... They only got one sack on an incredible play by LJ Fort. I mean, Wilson ha- had perfect protection on that play and looked like he was about to run in the open field for a big game, but LJ Fort played the QB spy perfectly on that one. We saw the defense make improvement last week at home against a struggling Cincinnati team. And we did mention, yeah, that looks good, but consider the opponent. So we didn't know if this was going to continue and at least for one more week. And they've got a lot of more good film of what works with this group of players to take in the bye week and really see you know, what are the holes that still need to be plugged? And they've got all this data on what works well with this group of players. So 
hopefully going forward, we'll be having a lot more nitpicky talks about what this team needs to improve on on that side of the ball rather than figuring out who on the roster is, is able to complete a tackle as we were back on like week three. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a, it's a lot better of a, a problem to have when you start to nitpick some of those stuff. You know, the only reason I brought up the Wilson Lockett connection part, well, twofold, I guess. One is just, I know that's been kind of a storyline coming from Seattle of, of just those two guys have been absolutely incredible in some of the plays that they've been able to connect with. And then two, I'm playing Peter this week and Lockett was my savior. But it looks like I'm not going to win this game, so you know it's not. Really it'll be close, matter. but yeah, if you if you do win, it'll be it'll be because of that, and because I played Kyler Murray over Jacoby Brissett. It'll be a combination of those two things. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, before we go to the offense, too, the one other thing I wanted to say about Marlon Humphrey is that while he did have a rough game in the first half, he definitely redeemed himself with that fumble recovery uh, after the mishandling of the ball by DK Metcalf fumbled it on the ground the ball kind of was moving toward the sideline a little bit Marlon scoops it up and scores for a second defensive touchdown so kudos to Marlon man for a heads up play yeah and I think even the, the more impressive thing about that was you know that they challenged or, well every score is reviewed so it wasn't challenged it was just being reviewed because of the normal protocol but you know they had uh Dean was Dean Blandino is that his name the head of officiating on the broadcast and they were looking at that play because uh, he did step out of bounds on that play, but he had the wherewithal to put, get both feet back in bounds. I think he got this, what the left foot in bounds, like it was like a split second before he picked up that football, which made that play even more impressive that, you know, he's sees the football. He's able to get to it before everyone does. And I'll give, I'll give Humphrey credit that he, he knew he needed to get those two, feet in I don't know when it's that fast if he's really thinking that but still that that saved it there and that touchdown sealed the victory yeah I was lost for words I was just so happy when I saw that happen I kind of just had my hands in the air and I was like there it is that's we're winning this football game that's game yeah haze in the barn as I like to say well before we go talk about the offense let's talk about the special teams Peter check in on Tucker's wizard status (laughs) I think that you know, Tucker kicking today in a stadium that he's only kicked in once prior in his career. Tough field conditions there with the rain, tougher than they had in Pittsburgh. And all his field goals were short. He just didn't really feel the need to uh, to unlock wizard mode today. You know, he just, just took decided, you know, to have the bye week come one week early for him and just was pretty nonchalant and <laughs> drilling those three field goals. <laughs> Jason Myers did try to uh, replicate that wizard status with that 53-yard attempt, but uh, alas, it came up short. So, actually, it went wide, wide right, but <laughs> ain't no J Tuck. Nope. Well, we had those two impactful plays on defense and some solid special teams plays, but I think the play that got the biggest reaction out of me had to be Lamar Jackson's absolute will of a run on fourth and two he begged to come back in the game a timeout was called they go out there with a bunch of tight ends and ricard and i was like all right they're running it with lamar like (laughs) pretty clearly right and not only does he get the first down but he busts in for the touchdown (laughs) 
it was the play I think that might even define his season because he was the MVP on that field today. He played better than anybody else, and he couldn't even stay in his shoes. Like it was incredible to watch him play today, and I'm so excited that the Ravens traded up and took a chance on this guy because he is the real deal. Yeah, I think the 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 storyline for the first half was Lamar definitely struggled. Like you said, Alec, he had trouble keeping his footing pretty much the whole game. How many pairs of shoes was did he wear by the end of the game? He said just two. Just two. He just kept going back and forth, I guess. Just two? Yeah, I, I saw he was wearing some black shoes earlier, and then I think he ended the game in purple shoes. I don't know if there were white ones in there or anything. But but anyway, yeah, aside from that one 50-yard pass to Boykin in the beginning of the first quarter, he really didn't have a good game at all uh, throwing the football he had a couple of uh, missed targets a couple of low throws Andrews and Snead had a couple of drops in in the beginning but um yeah absolutely though in the second half he really put the team on his back and you know like you said Alec he you know he was lobbying Harbaugh to to go for it on that fourth and two in the red zone and he made it happen so shout out to Lamar for that there's so much to unpack on that play that Lamar made on that fourth and two on the call to go for it on fourth down where originally the Ravens were going to kick the field goal, but then Harbaugh asked Lamar if, if he thought, if Lamar thought he would be able to get the first down, Lamar told him from what we've heard, yes. And that was the reason that Harbaugh called the timeout to go, then go for it to talk even before that on how, I think I'm getting ahead of myself here, but for me, I really felt on that drive, this was the first time that Lamar really became a true leader for this team as a franchise quarterback. You know, he, you had that play where leading up to that play, clock runs down, it's a delay of game. Lamar is visibly upset that Skura didn't snap the ball, but he immediately pats him on the helmet, appears to say, you know, obviously, you know, <laughs> You messed up there, but we, we're still good. We still, we still got this. That was my interpretation, at least. And then I forget if it was right the play right before that or right after that. Mark Andrews had a critical drop on what should have been. Uh, right before it. Was it right before? Yeah. I mean, Andrews had dropped that. And then third and 15, in a, it's not working for the rest of the offense. So Lamar's number gets called, and he puts the team in position for that play. And he has the confidence to... Tell the coach that, yep, this is on me. I'm saying right here that we can get this. To me, I, that was really a great sign out of Lamar and really shows a glimpse into what he can be as he progresses to become a more veteran player like the guy who is playing opposite him today at quarterback. Peter, I'm so glad you said all that because I think it's so important to highlight that progression. A touchdown pass that has dropped right at the last second because he had it for a bit there and mm-hmm. lost it right at the end Yeah, to a delay of game call that he was visibly really upset. I mean, he was jumping up and down, like begging for the ball. He's such a competitor. And then to get that huge third down play, which wasn't quite enough, but he, he had more bursts in that play than I had seen basically all game, particularly considering the field conditions. He was bursting through hole after hole to get those 13 or 14 yards and then to come in and get that absolute awesome end of drive play that was amazing and I want to quote 
listener Alex, he texted me and he said, dude, Lamar has that want to win more than he wants to breathe attitude. And I think that's a really great way of putting it. Like, you can just tell he's a fierce, fierce competitor. And it's so awesome to watch. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, before the fumble recovery by Humphrey, where the game was kind of sealed, I had... I almost had some flashbacks to the playoff game against the Chargers last year because I felt the game progression was kind of going in the same way where Lamar comes in, he doesn't look very good. Although in the Chargers game, admittedly, he looked a lot worse. But then again, you know, same thing with this game. He didn't look very good. He was missing some throws. Weren't really running the ball much with him. But then the second half, he comes out and just puts the team on his back and, you know, looks very precise with the runs, you know, showed off his escapability, was just picking up yards. And exactly what you guys said, he's just like, it was very clear from watching the game that he just had to score, had to win this football game. And fortunately for us, you know, we were able to come out with a victory, you know, unlike last year's playoff game. And that's just all the more, you know, exciting to watch. What I think is even more impressive about this is I know he's only been in the league a year and a half, but there's tape out on this guy. Teams know what he's going to do, and yet here he is still with another 100-plus yards rushing again today. It's like, we'll see how long it can last, but whenever he takes off and runs with the ball, I'm just assuming it's going to be a 5-plus yard gain because... (laughs) He just has great vision for where to go. His his footwork and agility to escape pass rushers is insane. And it's just it's funny that this is it's taken the Ravens so long for a team that runs the ball as much as they have in the past two decades to get a true running quarterback. It just seems like something that should have been in the Ravens formula forever because of the offensive philosophy, but it's just it's still, you know, we talk about it week in and week out, but still bears repeating how exciting it is to have a quarterback like that on the team. Peter, I don't think anyone figured out Michael Vick. I don't know if anyone's going to figure him out. They're not That's fast fair. enough. That's They're fair. They're not and fast enough. The defensive line isn't fast <laughs> enough. The linebackers aren't fast enough. In the post game, Lamar says, and I'll drop the clip in right now. Like I was running slow. I'm getting caught by the linebackers. I, mean, I got to go back to my original ones because ain't no way. Can't get caught by no linebackers. And then I, I got mad, you know, I'm like, bro, we stopping ourselves and these cleats not helping me. So I got to go back to my originals. I'd rather slide, get some yards, slide, than get caught, um, you know, from getting more yards. No linebackers catching him, right? <laughs> like, it's, it's going to take the third level of the defense to ever get him. And there you go. That's five yards every single time. It's, it's remarkable. I, I, I don't know if anyone can stop him. They're going to have to make a freak of nature defensive linemen who are just as fast as him <laughs> in order to contain him. I mean, it feels good to have a have a playmaker like that finally on the team. I mean, because we've we've watched uh, with a defensive oriented club as great as that's been. We've seen all these other teams draft these players that you can just count on coming into the game are going to make a a big play regardless of of how the game's going. I think the closest the Ravens have have had to that has probably been Ray Rice, but even him, like there was still some games where he wouldn't wouldn't quite show up and then really wasn't enough to be as game changing with Lamar in the sense that when everything else on the offense isn't working, like we saw at the end of the Pittsburgh game, 
you know you can rely on Lamar's legs. Yeah, the cool thing about his his absolute will to win is that he doesn't need any help, right? Like just because the way of defense, or just because the way that football is played, when the play progresses, if he's dropped back the pass, he'll likely be able to do some running antics. And he's just so fast and such a playmaker and can outjuke anyone. He makes things happen, and very few players have that ability just because of the way the fo- game of football is played. The quarterback touches the ball every single play, and he's able to make a difference all the time. Yeah. I wasn't worried about him getting hit much this game, but I was worried about him just losing his breath. <laughs> he looked, you know, tired. And <laughs> some plays, you know, he's picking up first down, running for 15, 20 yards, coming back, doing the same thing the next time, and then doing a drop back. I'm like, man, you need to take a breather. <laughs> but... You know, hey, while we have him, while he's while he's got his youth and you know agility and and you know evasiveness, still we we got to rely on that. We got to you know because we have a weapon, like you guys said, take advantage of it while we have it. So Lamar was definitely the star of the show on offense. As far as everyone else on the offense, you know, none of the stats really pop out at you if you're looking at it. It was good to see the Ravens try and get Miles Boykin involved early. Uh, he had that long 50-yard completion to start the game. and But after that, you know, Mark Andrews, ah, only two catches on eight targets. It was a rough game for him. Everyone else only had one catch apiece. I felt like the coverage on Seattle's end was very good. It may have also just been that the play designs for the passing routes just weren't that great. <laughs> but... It's like we said, Lamar running the football when that that stuff isn't there is working now. Still, we keep talking about this week in and week out when Hollywood's not on the field and Andrews is having a bad game. Still needs someone to step up in the passing attack. But I don't know. What did you guys think about that department of the game? Yeah, Seth Roberts, I thought, might have had a bigger game. He had a couple good plays really early and just kind of impressive hands plays. But you're right. No one really stepped up. I really hope this extended rest for Hollywood gets him healthy for the rest of the season. We're going to need him against New England after the bye. And it sucks not having a guy out there like that. Because I would say Hollywood is kind of like Lamar in that he's the other playmaker on the team where you just know he's going to have a play or two where when he touches the ball, he just explodes. And you need those players playing for you. It sucks to have him on the sidelines. Yeah, I think the... the one play I think that stood out that you know we should probably call out was the uh, third down catch from Hayden Hurst to pick up the first down to extend one of those drives that we had in the I believe it was the fourth quarter third or fourth quarter and yeah it was it was one of those where you had to bring it in get his feet down you know it was pretty tight coverage from Griffin you know fortunately he was able to make that catch but I, I think overall the the tough thing to to watch about this game was that. Seattle, I think, was trying to take away a lot of uh, Lamar's passing options. And, you know, he wasn't able to hang onto the ball to be able to find those guys. So he would just kind of take off running. And like you said, Peter, I mean, that was working for us this game. So, you know, we got to take what the defense has given you. Yeah. So the bye week is coming up. And Ravens, like we said, on the defensive side, they've now have a lot of game film from these past two games to see what worked well with this new personnel and what they're going to do going forward. On the flip side, 
we now have two weeks in a row, and this has honestly been most games this year where the supporting cast that we were hyping up in the preseason is being super deep and filled with a lot of speedsters and guys who can get open and catch the ball still aren't doing it. Who do we think might, I don't know. I want to approach this question as like, who do we think from these guys can step up and have a big game outside of Andrews and Hollywood? But I feel like part of it is just like, still the question as to why the Ravens offensive game plan isn't featuring a guy like Willie Sneed more like he was featured as kind of a go-to possession receiver for Lamar last year or you know Seth Roberts like seems to catch the ball when he is the ball is thrown to his direction is it just that this is the best that the coaching staff can get from these guys or are they just not having plays drawn up from them I really don't know It, it kind of baffles me in a way and I don't know if it's Lamar just not going to those guys. Like he looks at the other players first because you're right. Like those guys aren't getting the ball. They're not really making much of an impact. We said a couple of weeks ago that we felt like Jaleel Scott could come in for basically any of these wide receivers and do just as well, which is basically just saying no one's really doing anything noteworthy. <laughs> um, I don't want to take away from the blocking that Snead and, and Roberts had, but other than that, I don't know. Like, it's been slim pickings for the offense from a wide receiver perspective and making plays. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think for me, the biggest surprise has really been the lack of, of consistent volume for Willie Sneed. I was expecting coming into the year that he would be a guy, because we saw this last year with him, that would he would continue on his pace from last year and get, you know, between four to six catches a game for like, 50-some yards be somewhat of a red zone target. And, I mean, he's he's gotten some production this year, but it feels like, you know, Kansas City, he had 47 yards, but half of that was on that that jump ball prayer by, by Lamar Jackson when he went into, you know, improv mode. He had that garbage time 50-yard touchdown against Cleveland. It used him on at least one drive in Pittsburgh. He had a big impact finished with four catches for 51 yards going forward. I looked really at Willie Sneed and, you know, Seth Roberts had was not a pro bowler by any stretch of the imagination in Oakland. And absolutely, Alec, you're right. They do a great job in the run game, but I think these guys have shown in their, in their, their past resume shows that they can be dependable second or third options in the passing game. And it is it is a bit surprising right now why they aren't being used for that role right now. Another guy I think is being a little underutilized, but has been getting some touches in the, or a slight uptick in touches over the past couple of weeks. Um, Gus Edwards, again, was effective running the ball as a change of pace to the change of pace back, I guess, with Lamar and Mark Engram being the, the main two runners. Eight carries for 35 yards today. He had a really big run where he ran for the first down and it took several defenders to take that guy down. Like his role is right on the team in my opinion as being the third option to run behind Jackson and Ingram, but I, I still want some more carries for for Gus. He's still waiting for his first touchdown of the year. There's only so many targets and carries to go around though, man. That you is know, true. You, you, that you is can't true. you can't have more you can't have more, you know, uh, carries if you want to have more you know targets for the receivers 
But uh, but I will agree with you though. Gus Bus was in full force today. You know, he had a couple of uh, pretty good runs, including the one you mentioned. Felt like when you know there was a first and ten or second and ten, he he would get you the nine. He had two nine yard runs, I believe, in the second half, and uh, he was carrying guys with him the whole time. I'd say for me, I, I wish we would have got Ingram going a little bit more, but you know, again, I, I think Seattle's game plan was probably to stuff Ingram as much as possible, take away the passes that Lamar wants and rely on him to win it. And this game, that was enough for us. So, you know, it, it worked for us. Yeah. If you were following along on the Ravens recap Twitter, I tweeted out a live on the field of the Gus bus of this souped up school bus with like popping a wheelie on a drag strip and having like flames come out of it. <laughs> Because he just dragged people on that 15-yard run of his and and looked like a force. So I thought that was appropriate. So yeah, with that, we kind of covered most of the highlights from the game. I think we should probably move into our uh, MVP picks. So I think I'll kick it off. Uh, I want to start with my MVP pick for Marcus Peters. You know, like we mentioned earlier, we literally just signed this guy. We had to have an emergency pod because we signed him right after we recorded last week's episode. You know, he'd only practiced with the team for about three days, and he came in and set the tone at the beginning of the game early with that pick six of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's first interception of the year, and uh, ran it back for 63 yards, and it was just awesome to see. You know, he's basically the next Ed Reed. (laughs) So, uh, Marcus, welcome to Baltimore. Thank you, man. You're my MVP. Totally agree with that one. I will also, I will add for my MVP, going to give it to another guy we've talked up a lot over the past couple weeks, LJ Fort. He uh, The stat sheet says he has six, six total tackles, one sack, the only sack of the day, actually, for this team, two tackles for loss and a QB hit. It really felt like he had more than that watching that game. He was just flying all over the field in both the first and the second half. I feel like he really set the tone for its defensive performance that held the Seahawks to their lowest point total of the year. So good game, LJ Fort. I was hoping to do LJ Fort myself because this <laughs> next guy we like to talk about every single week. And I think as long as he's playing for the Ravens, he will be an MVP. But Lamar Jackson, today you became a leader in everyone's eyes. Today you just took over a football game and asserted that you're the best player on the whole field. And that was just such a sight to see. So congratulations. Great win. Enjoy the bye week. Hopefully you sell some merch of yours. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you made everyone in Baltimore very proud today. Yeah. He sold one more jersey too. I finally got mine in yesterday. Nice. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> well, with that, we're going to close out this week's Ravens recap. We're not going to be recording the episode about the New England game until next week. We also plan on having a recording of the mid-year evaluation. And for that, we're looking for any feedback or clips from our loyal listeners and fans. So if you want to say anything about the Ravens and how you feel about them going into the bye week, feel free to email the audio clip feedback at ravensrecap.com or reach out to us on Twitter. We'd love to add you into the show. So keep on enjoying us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And 
tell a friend as we go into this bye week we need all the ravens content we can get to keep us going because i know i'll miss watching them this sunday have a great week baltimore man lamar got some some speed man you know that start and stop stuff that he does is unbelievable man uh and like I say, it's only going to get better. With, we, we have yet to see the, the best of uh, Lamar Jackson, you know. Um, I think you can't do – I don't know how to stop him. You know, he can throw the ball, he can run, you know, he can do all those things. And uh, just excited to be his teammate now.